Okay, this is our second class in our dream series. For those who have the Gemara, we have to get used to using it, but we're going almost to the middle. We are using just for those who are not seeing. Um, we have the travel edition, Art Scroll Gemara, the final Gemara on the Tractate of Shabbos. And we are on page 55A4. So we already used this Baruch Hashem once before, but just to, not to get confused, we go from 50A, 55A4, the next page, we don't turn a page, we go to the left side of the book, where it says 55B1, and only then are we going to turn the page, if we'll get there, if we will get there. Okay. <clears throat> So I see Mabasi, just to know that I have in, in the porch, I left a few gamadas that are still there, and whoever would like can pick one up. So a quick a quick recap on two points that we made. Point number one is, what I'm saying now applies to any other part of Torah, but it's important to say it because dreams is a part of our lives that perhaps most people certainly Many people don't give it enough chashivus as one should give it. It's literally a part of our life that can be extremely useful. Um, and as we said, there are three general types of dreams according to our sages. And I'm going from the least important to the most important. The least important will be a dream that is connected to some sort of physical phenomena whether it is food that we ate, whether it is, like we learned last week, perhaps a person is in a lot of pain because they're fasting, if they're not fasting properly, or if a person is physically around a certain type of noise, like we said, your alarm clock is ringing, and how many times do we all already experience that the dream has in it that sound or that sensation? That dream will be of the least significance. Then we have one step up, which we will call that a psychological dream. A psychological dream would mean that we all have many layers of our consciousness. I'm using a term that the Goyim use because people are more familiar with it. We have the conscious, we have the subconscious or the super conscious or the collective conscience, depending which uh, group of psychology you'll follow. Um, we have many different la- levels of Chachma. We have what's called in Kabbalah the, re- the revealed Chachma. We have Chachma Stima'a. These are terms in Kabbalah. They are hidden Chachma. Hidden meaning that it's hidden from us. It's in us, but it's hidden from us. And there are certain things that are true within the person, but for whatever reason, a person before really evolving won't be able to be in touch with all of one's truth. And God therefore gifted us with this, with this power of dreaming the dream is a tool or a medium or a vehicle or a window that, again, I'm just using terms that people are more familiar with, that one's subconscious is able to communicate with us. And this is of tremendous significance because it gives one an insight to oneself, which is extremely helpful on, on so many different levels. So again, it's a dream that's coming from the person, but it's not like I'm literally inside a room where there is an alarm clock ringing, 
that's something that I don't need to tap into my subconscious to know of. I know of it. Had I been awake, or there, you know, I'm laying on my right arm and, and, and there's no blood circulation. So if I would have been awake, there would have been pain in my right arm experienced. And in my dream, I have a pain in my right arm. All right, that's that's already very external, very chitzainiyaz dick. Then you have the, the medium, the middle, one step up, a psychological dream. That's the term that we'll use. And the and and one's one's mind, one's hidden chachma, um, speaks in its own language. Speaking in its own language means that it can present itself either with words or it can manifest in images. And the latter is more common in a dream. It's more about the image that we see. And we have to know what that image means. And then we have the highest level of a chach, of a chaloim. And that level is already connected to nevuah. Sometimes you can call it a minor nevuah. How great is that? In other words, it's not a window to something that's from within us, but it's a window or a medium or a tool or a vehicle through which something, someone out there is communicating to us. And as we mentioned last week, when we speak about out there, of course, it's only God. That's true in this world also. Hashem, hu hu elikim, einoid movadoi. Having said that, and this is something that Chabad Hasidus beautifully explains, from our perspective, it's not only God, there's a world. And that's not a falsity, that's an emes. That's something that God created. And when we speak about a world, the world doesn't only mean, the, I don't know, the tree in front of my house. The world means all of the many worlds with all of the many creatures and creations in every world, which is mamish phenomenal, mind-boggling. Dafka, because it comes from an almighty God that can do anything and, and does everything. So there's a lot out there. There's not only a lot out there physically, there's even more out there spiritually. So who is communicating with us is a good kasha. But at least to be aware of the possibility that for people who have a difficult time hearing, being aware of something that's being spoken to us from another dimension, so a dream will be the fantastic tool that that, he, she, it, or God, for great tzaddikim, will use to communicate a message to us. These are the three levels. That's one just quick recap. Another very important recap, and that is that um, people erroneously think that Gemara is, 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 is only connected to the revealed part of the Torah. A lot of it is. A lot of Gemara which is the from the earlier compilations of the oral Torah, specifically Gemara's like the ones that we're learning, is no different than learning the Zohar, literally. Because it's not only sharing what we call in Chabad Chasidus, Nigla of Torah, we are learning the inner secrets of the Torah as they are written in the words of the Gemara. And I'll tell you why this is very important. Whenever we're dealing with what people think they're learning when they learn Gemara or Halacha, I can speak for sure about Halacha. Halacha is Dafke Nigla. Halacha has to be has to be understood literally, and you know it's black and white. It's kosher. It's not kosher. Parenthetically, we mentioned last week. Even in Halacha, you only get the full picture if you know all of the Halacha. Learning one Halacha. Is like taking a picture, like we mentioned. You don't see a film. You don't see what happened before. You don't see what happened afterwards. But at least it's a picture. And what you see is what you get. Because that's the point of halacha, communicating something very uh, in a very external way. 
in a very black and white way, this food may be eaten, that food may not. Whenever we start learning Pnimiyas HaToyra, which includes Hasidus, which includes Kabbalah, and which includes, I'm just giving you the verbiage, the Agadeta of the Gemara, which is the type of sections of the Gemara that we're learning, things are much more multi-dimensioned. And of course, every word is emes, and emes la amitoi. But there are so many angles of this emes. There are so many nuances that you mamish know so little by learning a little. Almost like you know a little when you learn a little, and then the more you know, the, more, the, li- the less you know, ke'ilu. You become aware of the less you know. This is very important because when people learn a little bit, and, and they quote it, I know, I know, A means, this means that. I want to say from the outset, um, even if the Gemara here is going to give you, let's say, three possibilities of a certain image, it doesn't mean that there aren't any others. And the Gemara explicitly will not tell you how to know which one of the three that it does mention, which one does it refer to. So very similar to when we were learning the Gemara about the Zodiac, about both the 12 constellations, and the Gemara primarily focused on the Shiva Koich which was fascinating. And a few women here in the group did a great job in writing down you know, what that hour means and what type of uh, tendency will be imbued in that person's character. And then just from the Gemara itself, every week we were learning like a whole nother angle. And someone put it all together. And when you start putting things all together, putting one layer on top of the other, you really get a whole different picture. It's like when you have a symphony and someone is writing just the sounding of the violin and then the composer is writing only the soundings of the trumpet and then only of the drum, v'chulei v'chulei, your, your mind has to have the capacity how to put one on top of the other. And only then do you hear the symphony. So this is, I know, this is not related only to dreams, but it's very important to bear that in mind. People should not get frustrated if they're going to hear a contradictionary Mamish opinions. First of all, we have many contradictions. Nothing wrong with that. We have to expand our brains. Not everything has to be reconciled. In God's mind, there is no contradiction. And everything is reconciled because we're learning the emes. But there is a simple emes. Emunapshuta. The simple emes is Hashem Echad. And there's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say. The moment we're going from God's emes into how that emes comes into the world, oh, the world is very complex. And therefore, God's emes needs to speak to the entire complexity of creation. Which is why you're going to have Torah manifesting in so many different shades that it mamish blows the mind. And especially when we are learning on a topic that uh, many people, you know, when it comes to this topic, I'm just giving a suggestion, what came to my mind. This is something that we learned a long time ago. We learned in the Zayat, on the portion of Yisrael, the Chachma of reading one's face of reading the lines on your face. Oh, it's fascinating. And reading the lines on your hand. Fa- it's mamash fascinating. And there also, I remember many years ago, it's recorded somewhere on, on uh, Vimo or some other 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 um, storage place that I hope we still have access to, that it's so complex that if people should not say, I learned five pages in the Zoyar, and now I can open up my little shop on La Cienega, you know, Kabbalah palm reader. It just doesn't work that way. Because we are learning a little part of the emes. And even when you learn the whole emes, like I said, there are many different opinions. And you have to have a lot of intuition, or to use the real words, you have to have Ruach HaKodesh to know what concept to apply where. 
But I'm not saying this to scare people off. It's, so it's not like we're going to learn and we're going to know nothing. We're going to hear so many different things. God should bless all of us to first remember it and to appreciate that we're learning God's Torah. We are learning God. Just in, that in itself is worthwhile. And together with that, it's about it's about dreams. And, and dreams are of great significance, like we mentioned, some more than the others. And it's definitely going to give us tremendous insight not full clarity. Moshiach will give us full clarity, but we will have tremendous insight into our dreams. And then, like everything else, then at least we'll be a couple of steps ahead, but very far from the finish line. And I think that's a very important second introduction. And I'm going to refer back to this intro, both of these intros and all the subsequent classes. This will not be repeated over here. Let's hit the books, Chavra. And it's good to read it from the book because every word is meduyik. And there's already plenty of great... Uh, dream classes online but i think what will make this class unique is that we are literally reading it out of the original text and especially if you have these svarim again i i encourage people if you need one you can pick it up on my front porch um to follow along so again we are on page 55 a4 this this side has two columns we are on the left column the one closer to the center of the book and we are if you see the little footnote number 47, we are one line underneath that. Last week, we shared two statements of Rav Chizda. Like we mentioned, Rav Chizda was a rabbi from the era of the Gemara. He was called a Amoira. That's a generic title given to the rabbis that lived in that era. That era began after the era of the Mishnah ended. The era Sorry, of, wait, can you just tell me again what page you're on? Fifty-five A where? Fifty-five A four. Fifty-five A four. Again, there's two yeah, columns. I got it. Two columns. Yeah. We're, we are in the left column. The left column. One line under forty-seven. Says ve'amar and Rabchizda continues. He says further. Loi. A positive dream is not destined to be fulfilled in its entirety. Now, I want you to give you a heads up. He's certainly speaking about psychological dreams. He's even, even referring to prophetic dreams. Because in prophecy itself, there are many levels. There is a, the highest level of prophecy that can come through a dream is so accurate that all of it will be fulfilled in its entirety. Pointing out right away, we're going to learn later that certain dreams are going to happen. But these are very rare. It's very rare that a person, man or woman, children are more, are holier, so therefore their dreams are even more accurate. But it's still by children it's very rare that they are so pure that the image that they saw was only the image that was being shown to them from above and there wasn't together with it some of their own images that were added on to it. The latter is the vast majority of the cases to which Rabchizda is referring to. Once, even if it is a prophetic dream, but don't think that every single detail will come to fruition. Before we go further, this already will answer a big question. And the big question is that prophecy, which is one of the 13 principles in Jewish faith, is a means through which 
God communicates to prophets, not everyone is zoicha to have prophetic dreams. Or to word this more accurately, I would argue that maybe all of us have enough schusim to merit very occasional prophetic dreams. But that's only on, on an occasion. Like, we never know how great of a mitzvah we're doing. But who knows, could be your mitzvah that you don't, you don't even know how great it was. was such a great mitzvah, that's how it works, that it elevates your neshama to such a high level that you'll be zoicha tonight to our prophetic dream. You won't even know about it. I would say that everyone, every now and then, might have this highest level of dream. But in a prophetic dream itself, so if you're zoicha, why didn't, come to, why didn't Hashem appear Himself or reveal Himself to you as God does to prophets? Why does it have to be through a dream? Because even in prophecy, there are many levels. The lowest level of prophecy is a dream. Even in a prophetic dream, there are many levels. And unless you reach the highest level, it will not be pure. When a person is a prophet, that's what the Rambam says, all levels of prophecy are 100% accurate. And that's why, getting off topic for a moment, if a prophet shares something that he was told by God to share, if even only one little minute detail did not come to fruition, that's a proof that the person is not a prophet. Because if it would have been a prophecy, it would have been emes. It would have come to fruition. What does that prove? It proves that when Rabchizda is saying that a, that a positive dream, and he's referring to even prophetic dreams, are not destined to be fulfilled in its entirety, it just shows you that I'm calling it a prophetic dream, but it's not mamish, a prophecy. And therefore, in the vast majority of cases, some of our own um, mind images will be um, sub, superimposed. Imagine, on top of this prophecy, on top of this dream. So when you are observing it, you don't know if you're looking at what you imposed or what you're being showed from above. So that's already a humbling approach. We'll learn later more indications of probably prophetic, still doesn't mean that all of it will come to fruition. And similarly, nor is a negative dream destined to be fulfilled in its entirety. Okay. Another statement. says Listen to this. This is such a Jewish way of thinking. A negative dream is better than a positive dream. Now why would that be? Why is something, why would a negative dream be better than a positive dream? What do you think? I think because then you could uh, interpret it any way you want and your interpretation maybe can make it turn into something positive. Just a guess. Okay, first of all, very good. We learned that last week. Oh, oh, oh. oh, who said that? Very good, very good, very good. So let's look inside the Rashi. And here, whoever's using the booklet, look in footnote 49. So Rashi says, let's read footnote 49 together. A sinister dream is in some ways more advantageous than a, than a, pro, a precious one. For the sinister one provokes the dreamer to do tshuva. Oh. So we're speaking, now this also sheds light from Rashi, that we are speaking about prophetic dreams. And even when God mamish speaks to a prophet, not through a dream, there is a huge difference between a positive prophecy, like Mashiach is coming, versus any negative prophecy. Positive prophecies will become realized even if the people about whom the prophecy was given no longer merit, God forbid. 
they uh, changed their righteous path. They did things that should not be done, and they did no tshuva. If the prophecy is given, it comes to fruition. Any negative dream, any negative nevuah, including the prophetic dream, is always on condition. It's always conditional. The conditional is, is that if the world, or the person, or the location, or whatever, whatever the dreamer dreamt about will be on the same madrega, then you know that not positive thing will, will come to be, will come to be even if it's going to come to be, right, that we learned last week, because someone explained, interpreted the dream. But if the recipient of this dream, the tshuva, then it's no longer going to become materialized. So when a person dreams something good, first of all, it's good to know. Not only is it good to know, it's chus, it's good to know what good is, is forecoming. I'll, I'll give you a great example of good to know. And I'm, and I'm making a very good comparison in my, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Not that humble. That I was, I had the schuz to be in 770, somewhere in the late 1980s, when the Rebbe began speaking about the fact that the Soviet Union is about to collapse, and therefore, after many decades of Jews who wanted to move to Eretz Yisrael, to America, to the free world, who were not only denied a visa, but ended up being persecuted and losing their, their state job and many times going to Siberia. Tzadis. The Rebbe says that all that is going to change. And therefore, nevuah. And therefore, the Rebbe was encouraging the Hasidim that we should build institutions in Israel both to house Russian immigrants and most importantly, the Rebbe spoke about the importance of having dignity and the Rebbe was speaking about how an adult cares more about them having a job than having a house. Wow. And, and, and the Rebbe was speaking about how many Russians are highly educated. And if a society is not able to provide jobs for the areas in which they are educated in, then for their own dignity, they'll become janitors. The Rebbe didn't use those words. I'm nothing wrong with the janitor. The Rebbe said they'll take, they'll do things that they are, so to say, overqualified for that. But they'll do it anyways. And it's such a waste of talent. It's such a waste of knowledge. And the Rebbe, and, and, and I was there when I, I was watching people, Hasidim, looking at each other in awe, because it was very rare that the Rebbe did this in public. Or the Rebbe was sharing something that was completely unforeseeable, that the Soviet Union was about to collapse. Now the Soviet Union collapsed around a year after that, under Gorbachev. And Mamish, and that's when the huge Russian aliyah came to Israel. And Israel struggled a lot. First of all, Israel did amazing. It was miraculous how many how many people they absorbed. But there was still a bigger, uh, you know, you, the joke used to be when I was growing up that you go to Israel, every taxi driver that's Russian says he's an engineer. Could be at Samus. He was an engineer, but there was no engineering job ready and he needed to make a living. He became a, nothing wrong with being a taxi driver, but it's a chaval, it's a loss of a talent. And and Rabbi, the Professor Branover, who was also a Russian Jew that managed to leave Russia years prior, opened up an institution called Shamir, which was into, the Rebbe spoke about solar energy, I'm speaking about in the 80s, and he, that institution hired hundreds, I know we needed tens of thousands, but at least hundreds of Russian Jews got a honorable, well-paying job in which they were able to uh, to share with the world that which they were educated to share, their, their scientific knowledge. Just giving you an example that when the Rebbe was Zoycha to know something, but there's a reason why you're being notified to make use of it. And the Rebbe was, now you, the Rebbe was perfect because we, Taka, trusted the Rebbe. 
And we invested, when I'm saying the Chabad Hasidic world, millions of dollars, which then was like spending today tens of millions of dollars in building institutions that without a future rusher uh, in um, immigration, it's a wasted money. I'm just giving you an example that it's good to know the future. So a good dream, you know why it's a good dream. You're being told what's going to happen. Rabchizda is saying that the only downside is, is that it doesn't motivate you to better yourself. It motivates you to take actions. Like if you know, that's my example, that all of a sudden the next year there's going to be over here a couple of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of Russian Jews, really millions came. If I'm, maybe I'm being uh, exaggerating, a tremendous number, and they were all absorbed, then take action. But here, Rabchizah is not speaking about actions that you're going to be taking, he's speaking about inner work. If I find out that something good is going to happen to me tomorrow, how does it motivate me to become better? Usually not. I'm not saying not at all, but when a person is being told through a prophetic dream that something negative will happen, that motivates a person to do tshuva based on our knowledge that's implicit, it's not written over here, that even if a prophet were to come and to tell me that God told him to tell me that something not good is going to happen, I know already that if I do tshuva, it won't happen. That's what we read Yom Kippur. Yoina went to the city, he went to Ninveh, he gave a prophecy, and the people repented, and that thing never happened. Nothing negative happened to Ninveh at that time. So that's the advantage of having a negative dream. All right, let's go weiter. Rabbi, I have a question. Sure. If someone has a bad dream and it's just a, something bad happening to them, how do they know what to do tshuva on if it's not specific to anything? That's a great question. And uh, let, me, let me broaden your question. Before I answer it, the Gemara says also in the same tractate, Again, we have to know how to use this statement. We have to. We should never abuse it. But the statement is, is that if a person is suffering, their first reaction should be to look inwards and to get one's affairs in order. Chazal used the expression, Yefashvesh b'ma'asov. Yefashvesh means tap through what you're doing. How am I behaving? Where, where is my behavior not the way it should be? It's misused because sometimes people, when they see others suffering, they say, ah, you're suffering because you deserve it, because you're misbehaving. That is where it's cruel to say that. We spoke about this many times. But this concept of that when something not good is happening, I'm just broadening your question. So the Gemara says, okay, if I'm going through some sort of tzadis, I have to think to myself, okay, where can I be better? Where can I be better? And how, do, how, how, and how would I know where I can be better from that which is not from that negativity that's happening to me it's not so simple it's not so simple now there are times that it is simple there are times that it is simple I think your question is also based on the fact that Baruch Hashem we're more or less okay I'm not saying that we're Gavaldic no we've got a lot of room of growth but you know we're not we're not, we're not killing anyone and we're not uh, terribly stealing from anyone v'chule, v'chule. but if there's a person that um is doing is stuck in some place in their Yiddishkeit. And there, you know, some people know that in that area, that's where my failing is. I would even argue that all of us, in a certain subtle level, I'm not speaking about violating the Ten Commandments, but there are certain areas in our Yiddishkeit that we know we're very good at. And there are certain areas in our Yiddishkeit that we know that's my challenge. And for most people, it's not in 80 areas, it's in two or three. You can count them on your hand. 
And Mestama, I'm just answering your question, Yafa, it's related to one of those. I want to add to that. I'm going to make your question more complex. I think this is connected to the introduction that I gave. During the times of David HaMelech, it's a very important story with an important lesson. There was a drought in Israel. There was a drought in Eretz Yisrael. Now just to appreciate, David HaMelech was the biggest tzaddik. David HaMelech did what Chazal said. If there's a drought on the country, it must be that on, on some national level, we got to improve. We got to do tshuva. And the Gemara tells us that he improved in area A. He tells us even what he thought. He improved in area B and the drought did not go away. Which means that he was he didn't have the answer. He, he, he used it to improve, but he wasn't hitting the nail on the head. And he davened and he fasted and he asked God to tell him clearly. And he was a prophet. So God came to David and God told him exactly for what national failing the drought is coming about. And David HaMelech needed to rectify that and the drought went away. The, prot, the details are not negaya here. All I'm trying to say is, is that you're asking an important question. And these questions are, are like, why did God create me? What's my mission in life? I can be the most uh, dream-savvy person. I don't think people are going to have clarity from watching their dreams. It's part of our introduction. You know, it's ignoring dreams is like a chaval al-azman. Like you're missing out and maybe I'm one of the most powerful parts of life. Learning about dreams doesn't mean that you'll take the course and then you'll know. You'll, you'll have an insight. So now you have an insight. I'm talking to myself that if I have a negative dream and if based on what we'll learn later, I'll have a certain intuition that I think this was already a shtickle prophetic dream and it wasn't positive. So firstly, I'm going to go to friends of mine that will give it a, a positive interpretation. On top of that, on top, that's what we learned last week, interpret it to the positive. But on top of that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say, okay, I got to really improve wherever I know I need improvement in. It doesn't mean I'll know for sure. But you know what? At least I did tshuva. So there's an upside. I think the journey of trying to figure out in what area I need to improve, that in itself is beautiful. And, and the vagueness or the non-clarity is also the beauty of life. I think in Ganeidin is it everything so enlightened. We're not enlightened. We we are in the dark, and that we got the silver lining of the dark is is imagine you don't know what area you need to do tshuva. So I think it's going to end up motivating people to do tshuva in many areas. Hopefully not the opposite. Since I have no idea where to start, I give up. Hopefully, you know, people can do that, but that's a that's a cop out. All right. So what did I do? I didn't answer your question. I made your question better. Good. That was helpful. Thank you. All right, Viter. So now, Ve'omar Abchizda. Says Abchizda. Chelma Bisha, a negative dream, just to appreciate the, the Aramaic. Who knows what Bisha means? Bisha means Busha. Busha means shame. When we're speaking about negative, the word for negative in the Gemara is shame. How amazing is that? So a negative dream, Atzivusei Mistayei. The sadness or the anxiety or the worry that someone feels is in itself, is in itself the realization of the dream. Wow. I'll, I'll give more words to this in a moment. And the same thing in reverse. For a positive dream is the joy is already the realization of that dream. 
What did we learn last week? Rab Chizda. He said like this. He said that a dream that's not interpreted is like a letter that's not read. And we read the Rashi that, that enlightens that statement. And Rashi says that since speech is the medium between Ruchni and Gashmi, only when you speak out the dream, even if it's a prophetic dream, it still needs something more concrete for it to be able to manifest. Got to let those words sink in. And the words that we use about the dream is that medium. Now Rabchiz is saying another step. You gave the words. Whether someone, for right or for wrong, gave words which draw the dream down in a bad way, chelma bisha, a, a, a shameful dream or a negative dream or a bad dream, however you want to touch the word bisha, whether someone had enough wisdom and he knew how to give good words to the dream, so now the, the dream already has the medium. So now it has to manifest. Not Abchizda is saying something else. Just because the picture in the dream was, let's say that, wow, I'm just giving a muscle, that um, you are living in a palace. If, if that's a blessing, could be that's called a bad dream. Go, go clean the palace. But, but anyways, whatever, whatever good means, some good God, God granted you that in your bank account you have now a billion dollars. Again, I don't know if that's good, but let's assume that that's good. So just because you, you had a certain vision of a good thing, and someone said, oh, this is a good dream. Any good experience in your life any good, even if it's a whole different image, it's good in a different area, could be the Kali, could be the dream. Could be the dream. This is all based on what Abchizda said above, that every dream has in it, uh, it will never be fulfilled in its entirety. So God is trying to show you that something good is going to happen. And, and because of our own limitations and pre-imaginations of what good means, so when God is telling us good, and God can even be showing us an image of good, we, without our knowledge, will give God's goodness our own imagination. Ah, good must mean the big house. Maybe God had something much better in mind. And what can be much better than a big house? Let's just speak a simple, you know, Yiddishkeit 101. Anything ruchni, anything ruchni is a lot better than gashmi, by, by default. So a good experience... A good inner energy is a lot better than the bigger house. So he's saying, Rab Chizda, that the joy that you experience, the inner feeling of joy that one experiences when they become aware that they had a good dream, that could be the self-fulfilling prophecy. That could be what God was showing you, that you're going to have a day filled with joy. And the joy, what difference does it make? This is so, this is this statement is made by such Ruchniyazdika people. What difference does it make if your joy is coming from the brand new house, from the brand new car, or from learning a mimer, halavayu should be zoicha, or just from knowing that you're that you're gonna have a great day? It doesn't make a difference. It does not make a difference. You know, even people that are in the world of marketing, they keep on emphasizing that. That when people buy things, they're never buying the thing. They're buying the emotion that the thing brings. Mamish, this is so emis. When you buy the car, unless you take a, don't have a car. So you need to get from A to B. I'm talking about American buying. You already have a car, but the car is not pretty enough. Gesundheit, God should bless you to buy the Rolls Royce. But when you're buying the Rolls Royce, what are you buying? You're, you're not buying a, a vehicle to go from A to You already have that. 
you're buying the feeling that that gives you. And for that, and for that, people pay all the money in the world because it's something taka of greater value. The feeling that you get is of much greater value than the gashmi itself because it's ruchni. So if we are chachamim and we all have that potential and we can get the same good feeling driving a Rolls Royce, you can get it by driving the beat up Honda. You know how lucky you'll be. You'll be as wealthy as the Rolls Royce person without having to pay the mortgage that they have to pay every month for the Rolls Royce. It's a win-win. So says Rab Chizda that when God is predicting or in the negative, if a person, God forbid, was shown a bad dream, and again, we have to, I'm, I'm, we're getting a step of our, ahead of ourselves or based on what we learned last week, and some person wrongfully worded it, ooh, that's a bad dream. And, and, the, and even if they described it with the image, based on the image that you remember that you had, but based on what we learned today, that image can be your superimposed image. You made an association. Bad means you're stuck in your mother-in-law's house for a three-day yontif. Oh, that's the bad. But it could be that was not what God was trying to tell you. God was trying to tell you that the person is going to go through a day of inner anguish. That's much worse, by the way. Because even people who don't get along with the mother-in-law, the problem is not being in the same roof with her. It's about the anguish that you feel. So the anguish, says Rab Chizda, that you experience by knowing that there's a bad dream, that is already the manifestation of the dream. And you're done with that. Now, what's the takeaway from that? Well, there's a lot of good and a lot of not good in that in, in the statement. It's an emiss. And, and let me tell you what the good is. The good is, is that some people sometimes have a dream and they know it's a bad dream. And, and, and they didn't know enough of what the Chachamim said, how to somehow um, deflect it. They spoke about it and the listener says, oh, I'm terrible, it's a terrible dream. I feel for you for having such a bad dream. Now the dream is a step closer to Olam Hazer. So Rabchist is saying, don't overstress. The stress that you already had is the dream. But the same thing is in the flip side. That when you are getting a prophecy, a prophetic dream about something good happening, the joy that you experience, because you know that dreams are not to be minimized, that dreams are something of significance. And once you know that this is a prophetic dream, and especially if someone said and put in words the goodness of the dream, it doesn't mean that the words that that person give has to manifest in the image, in that in that channel. It can manifest in any other channel as long as it's going to give you the inner feeling that you have when something, what you think is good is happening to you. So the knowledge of the goodness of the dream and the emotion that it elicits is in itself the realization of the dream. Okay. And now, based on that, Omar Rabbi Yosef, which is, is the first time you're learning another, another rabbi, Rabbi Yosef, that even when I dream a positive dream, watch the even. Rabbi Yosef was a tzaddik. Rabbi Yosef knew that his dreams are prophetic dreams. That even when I have a prophetic dream, he says that it's nullified by its joy. In other words, the joy that I experience because of the fact that I know that I'm, something good is going to happen to me, that in itself is the dream. Now, people are going to say, so isn't that a waste? No, that's not a waste because you're going to have a great day. 
you're going to walk around the whole day feeling joyful that you had a great dream. That was the gift that God gave you. So if God wants, wants, to, wants to allow you to experience joy, so for people that are not uh, connected to their dreams, God can only give them that joy by giving them the car. And if, and if you're becoming more ruchni, this is not a downer, this is not a downside, this is an upside, then God can give you the joy by giving you a good dream. Because you, that is the joy that God is giving you. And I think that, that, that there's a big takeaway from this concept. And that takeaway is, is you, you know, we, we live in families, we live in communities. If you want to do something nice for someone else, just to value more, if you are able to give some, to gift someone with a good feeling that is of tremendous value, that's probably of greater value than something physical. If, if it's about the other person recognizing that I'm the big benevolent giver, then, oh, then I'll give a gift. Then I need to give something gashmi because they'll always remember how great am I and how, how, how ech is that. But if it's about helping the other, it's not about you at all, then give a person a good feeling. It's a lot easier to give at least hopefully, depending on the setting. And it has the same value. And it won't even cost you anything. Okay, any questions? Yes, what if someone... Oh, Bill, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so, now I've lost my train of thought. Go ahead, Jeff, because I forgot what I was going to okay. say. Okay. Um, what if someone has a dream where there's components that are good and also not good? We're just starting, Yafa. We're getting there. The Gemara is going to speak about that. <laughs> a lot of questions. Okay. Okay, I remember. So, um, I I like the, the, the concept and the idea of just doing something for someone else or saying something to someone else that's going to make them feel good. But what is that mitzvah called? What does that fall under? Very good question. Okay, very good question. So there's a very uh, generic term of Ahavas Yisrael. And an Ahavas Yisrael in the negative is don't do to your fellow what you, do not, what you don't want to happen to you. But then there is the positive Ahavas Yisrael of Pashat, of doing acts that should be coming out of love that are of the benefit to your fellow. There's also a term known as 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 ahavas ahavasreim, promoting love amongst friends or promoting friendships. Promoting friendships is a big mitzvah. It's also a subcategory of of avas yisrael, like achnasas sarchim. I just want to answer your question, Bela, because there's like a technical halachic thing. Do you know that achnasas archim technically only means if someone in your home does not live in this part of town, and if they would not have the meal by your table? Right now on Shabbos that we don't use a card, they would not have where to eat. So many people, when they hear that, it's a big downer because they have guests over and, and they love it, but it's an effort and you're doing it for the mitzvah of Achnas Sarchim, and you tell a person, oh, I, I didn't do Achnas Sarchim." Well, you did the mitzvah of Ahav Asreim. You're promoting friendship, which is also a mitzvah. All included under the big umbrella of Avas Yisrael. Now, based on the final thing that we just learned that Rabbi Yosef said, which corroborates Rabbi Chizda, and this is, again, this is important based on a, a Ruchni Yisdika premise. And the premise is that anything spiritual 
is of greater value and of greater significance for the person, not for God. We learn in Chassidus, for God, the Olam Hazer. God wants the physical. The mitzvahs are in the physical. But now we're speaking about the person. Any spiritual experience, spiritual including emotional and mental and higher, but not lower, not physical sensation. Any spiritual experience is of greater significance than a physical experience. And like the Amar Abchizda, this is the last in this column, that Chelma Bisham, that a negative dream is kasha, it's more hard, it's worse, minagda, than receiving lashes. Receiving lashes hurts physically, and physical anguish is lesser, is lesser significant. We're not minimizing it, but when you compare Gashmi to Ruchni, Ruchni is a lot more significant. And this is as it says, he quotes a Pasik in Koyhelis, that that God acts sometimes in a way which causes the men, men meaning men and women, to stand in fear of him. And what does that mean? What actions does God do that will cause men to fear him? So Amar King Solomon was referring not to some sort of physical tzara, but to a cholam ram, to a negative dream. So that's the biggest takeaway from today, which gives even a lot more power to dreams, because we all react emotionally to dreams. Make no mistake about that. I said that one of the reasons psychologically we don't remember dreams that much is because they, are, they elicit such powerful emotional reactions. We are unable to manage them, so we block them. When people say, ah, I don't block anything. Oh, yes, you do. Let's start with dreams. And it all begins that when we are young and we have nightmares, which are overwhelming even for an adult, they are overwhelming, super overwhelming for a child. The children go mad. And Dafka, because they are pure, they are more open to the highest level of dreams, which is what we're calling prophetic dreams. And by the way, what they think is a nightmare can be the biggest blessing. They just don't know what that means. So it's overwhelming. And the way all of us, make no mistake, deal with anything overwhelming is to block it out. You can use the word denial and we forget it. We, we, we sh- shove it away somewhere. It's a, the mind is amazing. And that's the only way we know how to go forward. And, and but 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 dreams elicit emotions. So when when God says that there are sometimes I need to do something to mankind to make them fear me, for for a, for a more evolved human being that will be through the medium of a dream. Now if the person is so asleep beruchnis or so underdeveloped, then sometimes that person will have to undergo a physical tzara. God forbid, from God. If this is what God wants for a person to be shaken up. But we're not minimizing the fact that the person is having a bad dream. He's just pointing out that, 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 that we should give a lot more value and we should become a lot more aware of our emotions because whatever is happening over there is of real significance compared to what's happening out here in the Gashmi's Dicker world relative to is of lesser significance for the human experience. I just want to emphasize that. And that as far as God is concerned, God wants to have mitzvahs happening begashmias. But that doesn't contradict anything that we're learning right now. We're speaking about us and not about God. And we'll stop over here and God willing to be continued. Any questions? Thank uh, you. Quick, quick question. I, I got a little confused because last week um, I asked a question about working things out in a dream. And we said the opposite of that. Um, that it's, it's more important to work things out in this world dreams. But it doesn't really reconcile because if you work out 
an emotional issue in a dream subconsciously or semi-consciously and then you wake up with a certain emotion or a certain um like you should doesn't that also affect this world so so isn't that kind of in a way isn't it better to resolve an issue in your subconscious mind so that you could better resolve it in this world. Okay, Shoshana, I'll repeat. Got it. I get your question. And I, perfect. I'm happy to end like this because it's good. It's good that we're learning about dreams. And then we also learn other parts of Torah. And we learn a lot of Hasidus, hopefully. We should learn more of all of it. And in Hasidus, we keep on learning about the importance of the physical world. So my answer to you was, Benegea, God's importance. Working things out in the physical world brings God nachas. Working things out within ourselves gives us nachas, which will also benefit God like you just mentioned. Because if I have inner yishuv hadas, then I'll do my mitzvahs better. In other words, the value of inner yishuv hadas in God's perspective is that it's going to result in we, God's uh, soldiers, serving Him better, doing a better job. So it works together. When you work something out in your dream, that's what we're learning about right now. When you're, when you're going through a certain emotional experience as a result of your dream, this, is of, this in itself is of utmost and great significance to you, to me. I just want to end again. Having said that, I can be feeling wonderful inside, but if I don't take that wonderful feeling and invest it in mitzvahs, then it's such a selfish feeling. Then who benefited from that wonderfulness? And the same. I'm, I'm thinking. Sorry to sorry to interrupt you. I guess what I'm thinking is that when we think, we send out a message into the world, like a spiritual message. So if we can come to peace about something in our own mind, or we resolve something, then we actually affect the world in a physical way through our spirituality. That's kind of in manifest. Eventually, I believe it manifests in a physical way. It could be, could be, but, but but God wants us to manifest the physical through doing actions. Even even what we learned before, when we said that, like we learned that Ashi, that if I'm going to have a bad dream, the, the the silver lining is I'm going to do tshuva. What does tshuva mean? That I'm going to change my behavior. So my inner tumor, oh my God, I'm being shown something bad is going to happen to me. I better do tshuva. Or this is God's way of showing me I'm going down a wrong path. This path will lead me to not good things. Get on a different path. Whatever, however you're going to word this, doing shuva means that I'm taking my inner turmoil and I'm there for motivating myself to do better. And can it be in any area? Like, can it manifest in like physically? You know, putting a few cents into stuck or whatever it is. Sure, like, sure. Know, does it have to be uh, like aligned with that issue? No, no, no. I don't think it has to be a line of that. that. That's what Yafa asked before. How, how are we going to know in what area? I don't think there's such a simple answer. Right. Is it just about like a physical, any physical movement in this world that has the kavana of that? Mitzvah. Say the word mitzvah. Say mitzvah. It's connected to a mitzvah. 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 Like doing an act of Hashem's will. Yep. That is aligned yep. with what Hashem wants. And just saying, I had this dream and... I resolve this in a spiritual way, or even just, you know, just thoughts, having a thought about something, and I guess having the kavana that now I'm going to learn, or say to Hillem, or whatever it is, and then take that 
spiritual movement that we've made or that emotional movement and putting it into yes the into the mitzvah, mitzvah. And, and by the way saying tehillim is called an action because your lips have to move because it's not we don't think tehillim we right, say right. tehillim right exactly right got it got it got it thank you all right